Live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Well, good afternoon. How miserable of a game was that last night in the Superdome? My goodness gracious, the Ravens with a 27-13 win over very lethargic, uninspiring, didn't give that that Superdome crowd anything to cheer about kind of a game. Uh, With that, we say good afternoon and welcome. Tuesday, November the 8th, the year 2022. Hope you're having a great day as it feels like we're in um, the early throes of summer and we're already in the month of November. Um, Welcome to November in the South. Uh, Although, as James Mesh said in the two-minute drill, it's going to get awfully cold in Fayetteville on Saturday as the Tigers uh, take on the Arkansas Razorbacks. With that being said, my main man, James Mesh, back in the master control suite, in the game studio, spinning the tunes, pushing all the buttons, sitting in the uh, Starship Enterprise command chair, which is on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on 1041 in Lake Charles. We're streaming around the world and all points beyond on 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you're in the Acadiana area, you can turn your television set on because we're simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. Well, as I said, 27-13, just an abysmal performance. The Saints with... uh, out first down to 23 to 13 couldn't get anything on the ground um as <laughs> they ran for 48 yards uh Andy Dalton was 20 of 30 for a buck 95 an interception 5.7 yards per pass um third down efficiency was abysmal 3 for 11 for the Saints 9 of 15 for the Ravens and Lamar Jackson just did what Lamar Jackson does as he helped the Ravens run it for 188 yards. Time of possession was 15 plus 15 and a half minutes in advantage of the Baltimore Ravens. So Dennis Allen, as lethargic as this game was, it was 14 to three at the half and the Saints had an opportunity on a long drive to get a touchdown and now you're talking 14-7. It might be a whole different deal. Did you at all think about changing the quarterback during the game? No, I didn't. Um, look, we, 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 there was a lot that, that wasn't good offensively tonight, you know, and so there's a lot of dirty hands in that. All right, a lot of dirty hands. Meanwhile, the Baltimore Ravens defense stepped up four sacks for a total of Minus 28 yards. The Red Rifle, I don't, know, I don't know if he's a rifle anymore, but Andy Dalton talked about the pressure packages that the Ravens sent his way. At the end of the day, we got, we got beat today. They deserve to win this one. Um, you know, they had a good plan going in, and 
you know, for us, we've got to find ways to, you know, hold up in protection. Got to find ways to get the ball out of my hands. Guys got to get open on time and everything. But, um, yeah, I mean, today they, they got after us. They got after it, and yes, they did. And the Saints had absolutely no answer whatsoever. They took away the ground game, and they said, Andy Dalton beat us, and he couldn't. Meanwhile, the Saints' defense, after that performance against the Raiders, uh, quite a different story, as the Ravens were 9 of 15 in third-down efficiency. The Honey Badger talked about not being able to get off the field after third down. Yeah, I mean, you know, coming into the game, we felt like, you know, if we were able to kind of get them in third and six or longer, then it would kind of work out into our, you know, favor. Um, you know, I felt like early on in the game, we just didn't play tight enough in coverage. Um, then a couple of those third downs, um, you know, we just couldn't get lined up. You know what I mean? So I kind of just gave them, you know, a first down. Uh, so you know, I think anytime you let those guys extend drives, um, they usually end up with some kind of points. Whose fault is it that they couldn't get lined up? What does that mean? That is um, that is an indictment on the coaches, the players, everything. But the main thing is this was this team came out with with so much at stake, and they came out with no enthusiasm, no emotion. Uh, it was just. It's like the it was like LSU sucked all the emotion out of the state with their win and everybody was exhausted and maybe and the player just it was crazy um it is tuesday we'll have the black and gold report with bob rose coming up in hour number two and we'll try and dissect all of this all i can say is it just it just verifies my belief that here in this age of college football high school football college football professional football pop warner football if you don't have a quarterback that can run and make plays on his own and pick up first downs by running the ball and being elusive, you can't win. You can't win. Look at all the pocket passes. Aaron Rodgers, ooh, ooh. Tom Brady. I mean, it's just you cannot be a statue back there anymore. you got to have a mobile quarterback, and it's obvious beyond ever a shadow of a doubt that the Saints are going to go. And look, it, it just goes to show you there was a reason. There was a reason why the Saints went after Deshaun Watson so with such zealotry back in March. They need a quarterback. And right now, they just don't have one, at least not one that can take them where they think they want to go. Um, Look. The Ravens cruise to an easy win because of one reason and one reason alone. They've got a franchise quarterback in Lamar Jackson, and the Saints do not. LSU's got themselves a franchise quarterback. He's mobile, right? He can run it. He can throw it. Jaden Daniels looks a little bit like a Lamar Jackson, to be quite honest with you. He's not as thick. He's thinner, but uh, he's pretty He's pretty darn good, and he has uh, – had a meteoric rise in his performance and in his production. And because of that, LSU's winning. We'll wait to see tonight. Um, the second college football playoff uh, bracket or whatever you want to call it. If you ask me to take a guess, LSU was number 10. 
I think LSU moves up to number seven this week. Just a thought. So we'll see. But if Jaden Daniels keeps producing, Tigers will be okay. I don't care what temperature it is in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Brian Kelly talked about the offense. Yeah, they did a good job. There's no doubt. I mean, I think, you know, Brad has done a really good job of developing those guys uh, week in and week out. I think our backs have helped. Our tight ends helped in protection. You know, it's not just those five guys. But, you know, clearly, you know, the, the biggest concern we had was their two end pass rushers. Um, and you got to give credit to the two freshmen. Um, you know, Emery and, and Will just do a – incredible job playing and play out focusing and refocusing letting the play go and coming back to the next play and and just with all-out effort sustained all-out effort um and and so it is five guys but um you know a lot of that emphasis is on o-line awareness and you know the guards are helping the center's helping um but again I, i would say overall just real good awareness up front and helping each other Nearly $21 million for two games last week in the SEC. Tennessee and Georgia, the most watched game of the year in college football. Alabama, LSU, the most watched game on cable so far this season. There's all kinds of New Year's Six Bowl projections and all this kind of stuff, and it's kind of funny to watch and to look. But right now they've got the Tigers heading to the All-State Sugar Bowl to take on the Texas Longhorns. That's, of course, if the Tigers keep winning. Get to the SEC championship game, but if they beat Georgia, look out. Look right there. Look out. We shall see. We shall see. Um, LSU women's basketball put on a show in its season opener, setting a program record for points in a game with a 125-50 victory over Bellarmine. I, I say it till I'm blue in the f- I know you got to play these kind of games every once in a while but not all the time. Can we please schedule better games that are going to be more entertaining for the fans? It's just ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous. LSU's men's program gets their season underway tomorrow. Tomorrow. So a buck 25 is a buck 25, but come on, man. Um, let's, uh, Let's step up. Let's step up, please. Please. Because it's just, um, yeah. Anyway. Um, meanwhile, uh, the Pelicans started out hot and on fire, and now they've lost a uh, couple of games in a row on the road. Uh, they've lost their last two, the last one coming to the Indiana Pacers last night. Pels are now 5-5 five and five on the season. They have lost two straight, both coming on the road. They'll end their three-game road trip tomorrow in Chicago against the Bulls uh, before they come back home uh, on a back-to-back as they host the Portland Trailblazers on Thursday, the Houston Rockets on Saturday, and the Memphis Grizzlies on Tuesday, a week from today. So can the Bulls get can, – can the Pels beat the Bulls tomorrow – Get off this schneid still at uh, at five and five. The Pels are in eighth place in the Western Conference of the NBA. Surprise, surprise. The Utah Jazz leading the way at nine and three. And and they're not going to be there long, but the Warriors at four and seven are in the 12th spot. So um, 
anyway, very still, very early in the NBA season, but the Pels got to got to kick it up a little bit and keep riding some momentum because they have a chance to captivate the city if they win because everybody's bailing on the Saints. The Saints are who the Saints are. And if you think they're winning that division with the way they're playing, they got no shot. They got no shot. Um, so we shall see. They need a quarterback, and we'll talk all about that. So our guest list today, Matthew Bruni coming up in just a minute. We'll talk about the Tigers and the Hogs. Blake Lavelle will go around the SEC, get his thoughts on the second college playoff um, bracket that comes out today. And then Bob Rose in our number two, the Saints News Network with the Black and Gold Report. Um, thank you so much for, for being here today. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, if you're looking for some great stocking stuffers this holiday season, look no further than the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. As a member, you'll have the opportunity to score excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou or a $50 gift certificate to the Half Shell Oyster House or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. But you can only score these great stocking stuffers by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. Talking Tigers, when we return here to the Jordy Heltberg Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the aforementioned LSU Tigers in southwest Louisiana. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, southwest Louisiana's sports station. Well, the town's still all the talk of the LSU-Bama game while Brian Kelly and his staff doing everything in their power to make sure LSU's looking ahead to the Arkansas Razorbacks. Matthew Bruni covers LSU for at Bengal Tiger on three, amongst other things. Hey, Matthew, what's happening, buddy? Hey there, I'm I'm doing well. I'm uh, yeah. I'm as you mentioned, uh, still uh, still buzzing from from Saturday night. So, you ever see a game like that at North at University of North Texas? Y'all ever <laughs> have a game like that with the Mean Green? Uh, there were some great ones there, but not not quite, not quite. Uh, you know, the capacity is thirty five thousand over there, so uh, it's 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 fun over there, but it's it's a little different. A little, a different. little bit, a little bit. Um, <laughs> second college football playoff poll will come out tonight. What, what's your projection on LSU with the fact that Clemson got beat, Tennessee got beat, Alabama got beat? Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, and the AP poll, they moved up to seven. Uh, they they surpassed USC as well with, um, obviously, like you said, Bama, Clemson losing. So I, I think seven would, would be about right. I think Tennessee will end up fifth. Uh, uh, TCU probably four. And then, you know, you have your top three of Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan probably. And then uh, it really, LSU and Oregon, I mean, Oregon's looked really good since that loss in Georgia. So, yeah, I think seven would be would be fair. Um, any any lower, you know, you have USC there. So seven or eight range is probably where I'd have them. Still kind of remarkable, isn't it, when you think about it? I mean, who'd have thunk it? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh, – it is uh, – I mean, we were surprised last week whenever they were 10th in the, in the uh, college football rankings, and then they go out and beat Bama. So um, – the, the committee or, you know, the rankings kind of set themselves up to where you have to 
that if they were 15th last week, then maybe we'd have in, be having a different discussion. But now it feels like LSU, you know, if they if went out and win the SEC championship, they're in the playoffs, which is a, a very uh, interesting hypothetical. It really is. Um, everybody knows that you know, Jaden Daniels was outstanding yet again, but take him out of the equation. What else stood out to you in that win over Bama? Yeah, I, I wrote a – I mean, offensively, if, if we're looking at that first, uh, I thought the way they protected him and the way that the offensive line blocked was tremendous yeah. uh, from yeah. start to finish. Um, you know, they rolled protections. They chipped. They kept Josh Williams in a lot. Um, who I, Josh Williams, I mean, his body had to be so beat up after the game from how much he no blocked, way. he ran. I mean, just what a what a player there. But, yeah, I mean, they, they protected really well, and they schemed up the offense, you know, kind of avoiding Will Anderson and Dallas Turner and did a great job with it. And Bama had one-on-ones on the outside and, you know, Kayshawn and Malik both had a really, really good game. So that, that stood out to me as well as how they were able to keep, um, give Daniel some time uh, in the game. Uh, this Perkins kid's a stud. Uh, I mean, he, he is, <laughs> if he stays healthy, um, man, the sky is, I hate to use the cliche, but the sky is the limit. This kid is a factor and a force in college football. Yeah, I mean, the, earlier in the season, we were hesitant to like compare him to Michael Parsons, but it yes. really, he has that impact on, on games where it's just, yes. whether he's a pass rusher, whether he's a spy, whether he's making plays in the run game, he seems like he's everywhere. And we knew coming out of high school, I mean, for those who don't know, he was out, he was, if he played running back, which he did in high school, but if he was a running back recruit and not linebacker, he would have been one of the top three running backs in the country last year. Yeah. That's how good of an athlete he was yeah. coming out of it. So uh, we knew he was explosive. We knew he had speed. Um, but just the nose for the ball that he has is, is something else. And it really bothered, I think, I think Bryce Young, every time he took a step out the pocket, yeah. Harold Perkins was sitting there. And uh, – yeah, a tremendous athlete, tremendous player. I'm really, really excited to see how his career unfolds. It's to the point where I never hear any other linebacker's name mentioned. All I hear is B.J. Ogilari. I hear Perkins. Um, and then the secondary. You don't hear of it? And and, and uh, uh, Wingo uh, on the front mm-hmm. line. And other than yeah. that, you don't hear much. It's like the li- all the other linebackers are not even effective anymore. Baskerville is is the one who I think uh, is still playing at a pretty high at a pretty yeah. high level across the board, both in pass protect, pass coverage and uh, running, uh, stopping the run. Uh, you know, Penn is kind of just a, a gap filler at this point. He takes on blocks. He's kind of like the first one there to hit the, the oncoming blockers. It feels like, uh, and then we saw a little bit of freshman Demario Tolan get some run, and I'm really high on him. So that was good to see, but. Yeah, I mean, you're right. It's it's Harold Perkins, B.J. Ojolari, Makai Wingo, and yeah. then, you know, secondary, I thought held up pretty well in coverage in the, in, the game, in the Alabama game. I mean, Bernard Converse had the pick and a lot of pass deflections. Makai Garner I thought was really good. So it's it's starting to come together. It's starting to come it together really for, for Matt House uh, defense. Yeah, Matthew Bruni, uh, Bengal Tiger on 3.com with us. Uh, Matt House, boy, I tell you what, um, week in and week out, he, he's pretty darn good at coming up with some plans and, and getting these kids, most, most importantly, coming up with a plan that's, I think, simplified to where these players can just go out and run and be free 
and be furious when they get to the ball. Yeah, and sometimes it's obviously early in the season and even up to, I think, this past week, it's it's taken a while sometimes. It's taken three or four possessions for the defense to really figure it out. Mm-hmm. To his credit and to the defense's credit, after the first possession where Alabama went down the field and then Young threw the interception, after that possession, I believe it was three straight three and outs, and the defense completely just did a great job at uh, yeah. at slowing down the tide from there. So it didn't take them that long in that game, but – you know, I the adjustments are always there. I I felt coming into the season, I think I told told you this. I felt really good about his scheme with this personnel with BJ Ojolari at the Jack and yeah. um, just smart def- veteran defensive backs, and they are getting better as the season's going on. And I mean, if they play with that type of consistency that they had against Bama, obviously outside of the you know Bryce Young heroics where he ran mm-hmm. around. And, Found a receiver so in the busted coverage, but if they can yeah. play with that consistency, I mean they're gonna they're gonna be they're gonna gonna be all right. They're gonna be all right in these last three games. No question, no doubt. Um, and look, you got the bookend freshman tackles on the offensive line. You've got a tight end who keeps getting better and better. And we talked about Perkins at linebacker. It just shows you. Uh, the the leaps and the strides that they have made, which tells me they're getting coached up every day, and they're 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 being developed, and now now they're playing freely, and they're they're good, they're good, man. Yeah, those. I mean, Mason Taylor, the tight end, the how much he's improved it's from ridiculous. week one is really staggering. Because I I remember watching film of him even half, you know, four games into the year. And he could not throw a block to save his life. And now he's out here leading leading a lot of these runs that Jane Daniels is popping off to where you don't even see Cole Taylor and any of the other tight ends anymore. It's Mason Taylor 100% of the time, uh, whether it's in the slot, whether it's in tight, whether it's motioning over. So he's just done significantly better. Credit to Mike Denbrock there. And like you said, the, off, the tackles, Will Campbell and Emory Jones were terrific. I mm-hmm. I had serious questions about whether they could block Anderson and Turner on the edge. And like I said, they, they schemed up a lot of stuff. They chipped. They helped them out, sure. Mm-hmm. But there were, there were situations where they held their own signif- and were okay. huge pieces of yeah. what LSU was able to do offensively. It doesn't hurt when that quarterback can, can get out of there and <laughs> uh, escape and do some things. Yeah. I mean – you talk about Taylor's improvement. We all, we all have raved about what Jaden Daniels has done. Uh, Arkansas, eleven o'clock is going to be going to be in the low forties uh, when that happens. It's the morning is going to be like twenty when they wake up. So hopefully that sun will come out and warm things up a little bit. But uh, biggest concern about this game is uh, the biggest concern is that it's a road game after you beat yeah. Alabama. I think I yeah. on paper I think. K.J. Jefferson and Drew Sanders are two very good SEC players. K.J. Jefferson, the quarterback, Drew Sanders is a defensive end transferred from Alabama who leads the SEC in sacks. But I I think if you can game plan for Will Anderson and Dallas Turner, you can game plan for uh, Drew Sanders. So it's a mental game. It, it's a, it no feels question. like a mental game a lot more than a physical game. That's exactly where I was going. You're, you're, you're playing in front of 102,000 and screaming for, for 60 minutes. You go into a game at 11 o'clock against a team that just lost to Liberty. I know it means, and a game that means an awful lot to Arkansas. It doesn't mean jack squat 
to LSU people about the boot. That's the ugliest, heaviest trophy in the world. I don't think people care about it. Arkansas people care about it, uh, and they've got it. So to me, you hit yep. the nail on it. This is a mental game more than anything at any time this year. And uh, Brian Kelly said, don't worry. We'll, we'll prepare right. We'll get him mentally right. I kind of believe the guy. Yeah, I, I do too. It's mostly because it's Brian Kelly, and based off of these first – nine games of the year, we have no reason but to trust him. I mean, there's, he has given us zero reason not to at this point. It's the strides that this team has taken, the mental focus that this team has, I mean, every single game, even when adversity hits, which adversity has hit plenty of times this year, sure even going back to the, the first game of the season. And since then, they've bounced back. They've continued to fight. And we're sitting here with a 7-2 and two football team that's playing with Plenty to play for going into these last three games in Arkansas, UAB, and A&M. Obviously, the two SEC games are the most important there. And plenty of conference. Uh, Matthew Bruni, did you get uh, did you get trampled over at uh, after the ball game? Did you get, did you finesse your way into the locker room area? So, so in order for riders to get down to the field, um, we have to go down probably like five or five or so minutes left in the game. Right. In order for to beat the coaches, because coaches go down right after, right after right. the final buzzer. So, anyways, and I was not moving from my seat. I was watching that game. I was not going to miss a play. I had a great view because you didn't get on the field and you can't really see everything. You know, you have a bad that view. I was like, I'm sitting right here. I'm watching this game, and then it went to overtime, and then the field got stormed, and uh, yeah, I was not about to navigate through it. So, anyways, I sat up there and watched the game and wrote. <laughs> And did my job from from up there. there. I did not get on the field. On well, what a great job you do for Bengal Tiger on three dot com. All right, uh, get your long johns. Get ready. It's going to be cold in Fayetteville. It's, a, <laughs> it's not an f- easy place to get to either. But um, yeah. so much at stake, man. They, they got to be ready for this one. And you said it. It's a mental game more than anything because physically they're better than Arkansas. Yeah. Uh, so mentally where are they so that's what this week is all about but thank you my friend i always enjoy talking with you for sure thanks for having me anytime you got it brother you take care that's um matthew bruni with us we'll take a quick time out here when we come back we'll go around the sec blake lavelle at 14 southeastern share his thoughts get his opinion on where the tigers should be tonight when they unveil the second college football poll playoff poll um, that's next here on the Jordy Helper Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. Every day is a Chamber of Commerce kind of day when you're listening to the Jordy Holberg Show. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. Week 10 has come and gone um, in college football, and the SEC had uh, the most watched game in college football this year with Georgia hosting Tennessee and the most watched game on cable in a long, long time with LSU and Alabama. We are joined by at 14 Southeastern's uh, Blake Lavelle, who is so busy because basketball season started last night and we're in the throes of the college football season. Blake, thank you for the time, man. How are you? Yeah, doing well, Jordy. Good to talk to you as always. 
Oh, it's a pleasure for us and our listeners, believe me. Um, all right, let's start with uh, the, the game that started early in the CBS window. Man, Georgia left no doubt, did they? 27 to 13? It wasn't even that close. Yeah, they looked pretty good. And I think going into that game, you know, we talked about the potential of that line play maybe having a, a big impact. And I think we kind of saw that in this when Tennessee's offense just could never kind of get going. And I think it was because of, you know, some of the things we saw Georgia's defense do. And I think especially just not allowing Hendon Hooker to kind of get into that groove. And I think some of the things, you know, Tennessee missed some shots they probably would make normally a couple passes down the field that, you know, they're probably making most of those, but they just weren't there. And, you know, when you put yourself in a position where Georgia's offense uh, kind of came out and did what they had to do early on, um, it was just an uphill climb for the balls from there. Georgia left no doubt they'll be the number one team in the country. We, you know, we we saw Clemson lose. Um, we'll get to the Alabama-LSU game in just a second. Um, Tennessee, do you think they're still in the Final Four when that committee announces their their second college football playoff bracket? You know, I think when you just consider what happened around them, I mean, as the number one team last week, you know, go on the road and lose – the number one team, which is going to be the number one team this week in Georgia. Um, I just don't know how much they get knocked for that. I mean, sure, like we said, you could watch the game and certainly see some areas that Tennessee is going to have to be better if they want to get, make it there ultimately, and even if they're going to have a chance given the setup moving forward. But I still think they're probably one of the four you know, best teams. I think they'll probably maybe slide into that fourth range. Um, I think it's pretty clear in terms of having Georgia there um, at the top, and then you're going to have Ohio State and Michigan because Clemson lost. Um, and so I think that's probably what we see is the two SEC teams and the two Big Ten teams. Because, again, I don't know how much you knock Tennessee for losing a game, but quite frankly, I think every other team probably loses, maybe not the exact same way, but I don't think anybody was beating Georgia last Saturday, and I think that was probably the bigger thing. I got a sneaky suspicion Tennessee's going to drop to five and an undefeated is going to sneak in yeah, at four for be. this week. For this week doesn't mean it's going to end that way i just think there was so much hullabaloo about tcu uh, they may they may want to um appease the natives you know and uh and, and put them in there but anyway we shall see how about those lsu tigers how about that yeah um unbelievable i mean i i can remember you know having the conversations early in the season and um especially after game one and just all the discussion and, and just not knowing what you're going to get out of this team even going into the year it was about you know, is how is this roster going to look compared to all the other SEC teams? Can they really, you know, compete at the top? Well, they have improved, I think, as much as anybody this season now. And when you just kind of look at where they've come from to where they are now after now getting, you know, the biggest win of the season, it's pretty remarkable. And, of course, Jaden Daniels has been the, the difference maker, but there's been a lot of guys that have stepped up on that team. Um, and now, you know, I, I said this even before last week. I said this a couple of weeks ago after they beat Ole Miss. You know, a team that controls its destiny, um, and I don't care what anybody says about a two-team, um, you know, two-loss team not making college football playoff before. If LSU wins out, and you know, we're a long way away from having that discussion, but if that's the scenario, I don't think there's any way that LSU is getting left out of a college football playoff if they went out um, and put themselves in position the way they're playing right now. Jordy, not that unrealistic to think they can. I'm with you. I'm with you, Blake Lavelle, with us. Um, back to Jaden Daniels. If you look at all the numbers of those of, of other quarterbacks, Hooker, Williams at USC, um, Young at Alabama, Stroud at Ohio State, I'll put his numbers up of total yards. Yeah. 
against any of them. Um, he's got 2,613 total yards, 24 touchdowns, one interception. Shouldn't yeah. he at least be added to the list of Heisman Trophy possibilities? Shouldn't he? Yeah, I think now that that absolutely has to be part of the discussion, I believe, just because, again, you look at what he's done as of late. I mean, you've got, you know, everyone's going to factor in the team results, too. And I think when you look at it, you know, I think Hooker's going to slide down a little bit in people's eyes. But I think Daniels is in that discussion no matter what. Just like you said, given kind of looking at the the scenario just with the numbers he's put up. And you talked about the one stat that I've said many times is like, you have to remember, like, this guy is not turning the ball over. Like, he has no. been this good and had this high of sort of a usage in LSU's offense in terms of running and passing, and he's not turning the ball over. And I think that's such a big stat that probably isn't looked at enough because it's not something that, you know, we're going to focus on the touchdowns and the total yardage. But the fact that he's had the ball in his hands as much as he has and been put in this position, you know, to propel them forward in this offense, um, and he has only one interception, it, it is a pretty remarkable stat. It really is. Blake Lavelle at 14 Southeastern. Okay, um, elsewhere around the league, Florida beats A&M 41-24. I mean, that 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 thing, they've undone the drain, and that water's swirling and, and exiting quickly. Um, does A&M salvage anything? I tell you, it's, it's hard to see. Of course, they're going to have the, um, I don't know, whatever phrase you want to use for this game this weekend between Auburn and A&M. Um, it's Ooh. not a great phrase, probably. Uh, given where both teams are at. But, you know, I tell you, it's uh, – I mean, the one thing I think with Connor Wegman in there, which, of course, he didn't play this past weekend against Florida. They had the, the flu outbreak or, or whatever it was. Um, they they have looked better with him at quarterback, and I think that's something where, look, we can play what if. I don't know how that changes the Florida game. Um, but, you know, it's still one of those things that I think they can lean on him moving forward perhaps and feel a little confident and optimistic that they have something there in the future – but as for salvaging this season, I don't see it. I just think this is a team that, again, I mean, I, I honestly think Auburn will probably beat them on Saturday because I think we saw under Cadillac Williams, you know, Auburn's not going to quit. And mm-hmm. I think you just have two teams. I mean, I don't know how much Auburn has to play for, honestly, Jordy, but I don't really think A&M has a whole lot to play for at this point either. And I just think this is a situation that um, it's a lost season for the Aggies and it's hard to believe, yeah. you know, whether you thought they could be a top-10 wow. team or not. That's where they were in the preseason. And for them to be sitting here at three and six is uh, pretty pretty stunning. They talk about that number one all time great recruiting class. Look at the yeah. freshmen that are making an impact for LSU. The bookend left uh, left and right tackles. You got a tight end that's that's really really good. And this <laughs> um, this Perkins disruptor on defense. They got four guys that are playing like lights out for a team that keeps moving up the charts. Yeah, it's, um, you know, we always say when you look at freshman, you know, contributions, it's, it's always an interesting thing. We can talk about recruiting numbers and rankings and all that, but it's who are the guys are going to fit best right away into the systems that they're put in. And I think you're seeing some of these guys that have really just gotten acclimated on this LSU team. Um, and for A&M, you know, we can talk about youth as an excuse. And let's be honest, they've had injuries too that have certainly impacted their season. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just been – it's kind of been a snake-bitten season, I, I think, for, or, excuse me, for A&M, and I just don't – I don't think it's getting much better from here. Uh, Blake Lavelle with us. We mentioned A&M uh, at Auburn. Some other really good games. The best game is Alabama at Ole Miss. That's the CBS game at 2.30 Central time. Look, I remember LSU under Les Miles getting to 
the BCS championship game with two losses. It's still the only team. And they lost both of those games, league games, in overtime. Alabama's lost two games, both of them on the road, both of them in overtime. Uh, so they're not a bad football team. I don't know why people <laughs> no. all of a sudden think Bama's no good. Ole Miss has had a bye week. Um, how do you see this one coming out? Yeah, this is a tough one for me because, like you said, I, I think the people are quick to write off the dynasty as being over in Alabama. And, you know, they may not win the national championship this year, but again, you are talking about a team that's basically two plays away from being undefeated right now. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, that's, that's it. I mean, you're talking about a missed field goal in Tennessee and, you know, basically the final play there. Um, on the two-point conversion in, in Baton Rouge. And, and I think it's one of those things that you have to keep that in mind. Uh, I still think that Alabama, you know, matchup-wise, as year against this Ole Miss team, um, even with the Ole Miss's rushing attack, which we talked about all season, is just pretty incredible at times. Um, I just, I still tend to have that belief, even if this is not, you know, this is not Nick Saban's best team he's had there. But at the same time, again, <laughs> there's still a couple of plays away from, um, being the number one team in the country and being undefeated right now, and we're not saying that as an exaggeration. They're literally no. two plays away from doing that. Um, yeah. So I, I think when you look at it that way, you know Lane Kiffin's going to have some things up his sleeve for this for this Alabama defense, I think. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think it's how does Alabama respond from losing a game like that the way they did uh, last week. And, you know, motivation, too, is a factor. I think Bama still has stuff to play for. Obviously, they're out of the picture right now but things can still happen around them to give them an opportunity but um i think that's going to be easier said than done given uh, how the rest of the way you know things are going to shape up the rest of the way so that old physical football man i'll take the physical bama over over the finesse old miss um every day of the week um as my as my our buddy if college shoot bill raftree would say about um brian (laughs) kelly he's got some serious onions going for that two-point conversion (laughs) That was that was awesome. LSU at Arkansas, uh, eleven o'clock. It's going to be a whole different type of environment than it was in Tiger Stadium. I, I think this is the absolute mental game of the year for LSU. They're the better team than Arkansas, but can they can they ride that momentum and and go into an environment that's going to be cold? Uh, it's going to be quiet, quieter, um, and all the noise is going to be against them. So that's what I'm curious to see. Yeah, this is your, like you just said, I mean, this is your, your hangover game, right? In terms of like, this is the game that you're coming off of just such a huge win. Um, all the momentum is on your side, but you're playing a, a team on the road that quite frankly, at this point, I don't know how much Arkansas has to lose because they have just, you right. know, they have played what I think is the toughest schedule in the country when you go up and down their schedule and the yes. teams they played, of course, just played a, a tough Liberty team that, you know, I don't think you take anything away from uh, Liberty for winning that. I mean, that's a that's a pretty good team under Hugh Freeze there. So when you look at those kind of things, it is going to be a tough game. I wouldn't be surprised if this is a close game, you know, the entire way. Uh, but I, I do still, like you said, I think Jaden Daniels is a difference maker here to me. And I just think we've seen more consistency out of him in this offense versus, I mean, let's just call it what it is. It's been a, a defense for Arkansas that has certainly been up and down this season, yeah. had their struggles, trying to get healthy. Uh, I just think Jaden Daniels is, is the difference in this one. I'm with you. Um, sneaky game, but a, an important game in the East. Uh, South Carolina is at Florida. This would uh, South Carolina, I, got, I think everybody would agree, is maybe one of the, the big surprise teams in the in the conference. Six and three overall, three and three in SEC play. Florida's at two and four. 
They just beat AM. Boy, they get this one. They're bowl eligible at six and four overall. They're three and four in the league. This is a big game for Billy Napier and the and the Gators. It is, and, and I'll tell you, Jordy, I, I think some people have been surprised by my stance on this game, but I, I'm riding Florida here. I, I think the Gators have kind of been one of those teams that when you look at how they played, I think can be more important than just the result. And, like, there were even stretches yeah. in that Georgia game. I know it's a team, you know, that loses the game, what, 42-20, I think it was. But you can see some of those flashes of Florida. The problem with Florida is their defense, and they just haven't been good on defense. I mean, they've just given up too many yards, too many points. I think that's the thing about this game. I am not, you know, that impressed with South Carolina's offense because I think Spencer Rattler's just kind of been all over the place. Marshawn right. Lloyd's been dealing with that injury. Um, you know, if he doesn't play this week, I think that makes it even more uh, in Florida's favor because I do think South Carolina can run on the on the Gators just like, you know, a lot of teams can. But I think the same can be said for Florida and what Anthony Richardson and those running backs can do against South Carolina. I think the Gators, again, are, have made some strides here and, I, you know, again, a lot of people were out for A&M in that game uh, last week, but I think for Florida to dominate the second half the way that they did um, and just some of the things they've done in recent weeks, I think, gives you reason to be optimistic uh, that they are at least making some strides. So I think they're actually uh, in a good spot here against the Gamecocks. Nice that Missouri gave Eli Drinkwitz a uh, contract extension before he has to go play in Knoxville against Tennessee and get his brains beat out on that one. So that's nice. And and honestly, I'm not even going to talk about college basketball till we get some, get some decent games. I'm so tired of these 100 to 30 games. It's just, I, I can't stand it. Can't stand it. No, it was, uh, I think that was probably the worst slate of opening night games oh. I can remember in college basketball. They were yes. just all... Um, just one-sided kind of game. Vanderbilt Memphis probably the best game in the SEC, but even at that, I mean, you just had a bunch of games that I don't really think tell you a whole lot. So give me, give me Belmont, baby. That's what I want to see. Those kind of games <laughs> down to the wire. Yeah. Goodness gracious! I, I, I <laughs> like LSU's women's team played some team named Bellarmine or Bellarmine. Never heard of them. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, I, here's what, here's what I think, and I'll give you my quick on this. I think what we're seeing more of this early in the season, especially on opening night, I think it's the transfer era that's doing this, is that no coaches doubt. don't really know what they have. Yeah. Even, you know, they can go through their practices in the offseason, but when you have, you know, seven, eight, nine new players, I think you're wanting to kind of build into your schedule now that, hey, we want to get some of these easy wins early because I don't have a clue what my team looks like. I may see them no in no practice question. in the offseason, but you know, I think there's something to that on the scheduling. So. No question. Blake Lavelle at 14 Southeast. we got plenty of time to talk coops down the road, but uh, <laughs> uh, lots lots at stake, lots of big opportunities for LSU, uh, and, and we'll see. And Alabama Ole Miss is a good one, so, so we'll see. Uh, always a pleasure. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. You got it, Jordy. Thanks for having me. All right, buddy. Blake Lavelle at 14 Southeastern. Oh, the Sweet Dough Pie Festival is back and serving up a slice of history and deliciousness. Every year, pastry chefs and home cooks vie to be crowned best in the sweet dough pie contest where the public is the judge. And, of course, a large variety of pies are available for purchase. The rescheduled Sweet Dough Pie Festival returns this Saturday from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. at Grand Coteau Town Park in Grand Coteau. For more information, call 337-331-6352 or visit the Town of Grand Coteau's Facebook page. Back to wrap up our number one, here on the Jordy Helper Show. 
Alexa and the game make a great team. Do yourself a favor and enable the Alexa skill, the game Southwest Louisiana, so you can keep it locked in to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wherever you go. Welcome back. As we wrap up our number one, this of note, Arkansas defensive backs, Miles Slusher and Anthony Brown. I don't know how much they play. I don't know what the deal is with them, but I do know that they are both suspended for one week. will miss the LSU game following a weekend of arrests for allegedly having disorderly conduct. So um, a couple of defensive backs will be missing uh, from that one here's a note the average per game viewers of the 2022 nba finals was 12.4 million tennessee georgia regular season college football game was 13.1 million it's a football world it's all i'm gonna say it is a football world we'll talk new orleans saints and that debacle last night in the black and gold report when we return after the end of our number one We'll have the top of the hour sports update. We'll get started with hour number two here on the Jordy Hilbert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. It's our number two of two, and away we go. So glad that you are with us on this Tuesday, November 8th, the year 2022. My main man, James Mesh, back in the master control suite in the game studios in the producer's chair. Uh, he's taking care of business. He's on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on 1041 in Lake Charles, streaming everywhere, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you're in the Acadiana area, you can pop the TV set on because we're simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. We talked a lot of college football in our number one um, as LSU gets ready to um, come back down to earth. Here's the key, and I've said this so many times after big games, you're a college kid and you're you're emotional and, and you're you you go out from wherever you're living and you go to your classes and, and everybody knows you, you're getting pats on the back that a boy, man, that was the greatest game ever. You were awesome. Blah, blah, blah. And it's so, so rewarding, right? So it makes you feel so good. Now it's up to this coaching staff to get this team back down to earth because there's too much at stake, right? There's too much at stake. And I can tell you from a personal perspective, and I know it's, eons ago and it's different than football but basketball was even tougher and we were undefeated in the southeastern conference uh we played 18 games we ended up being 17 and one we lost the last game at kentucky national television bizarre bizarre game uh but anyway but but you know you're being pursued like we did and and it's it takes great leadership not only from the coaches but from within the team okay look what we did yesterday is over. We, we, you know, basketball, we like two games, two games a week, sometimes three, you got to get up and you got to be ready to go. And so 
this is good. LSU, you know, get out of town, go do their thing, go win on the road, go win on our us against the world. And I mean, they control their own fate. I mean, it's a really a remarkable and amazing story. And I give all the credit to everybody in that building. Everybody, coaches, players, managers, trainers, academic people, the, the chef and all those people, all that stuff. It takes an army, takes a village. It really does. And how these players have bought in and how they believe and how these good these coaches are to keep these players, keep developing them. Uh, you get so caught up at this time of the year with what the other team is doing and how do you stop the other team where I think the really good ones, what do we need to do to get ourselves better? How can we get you to be a better player? We'll put all that other stuff in. And obviously they have, they have simplified things and kept it, kept it to where it's, um, you know, it's not paralysis by analysis. You can give them too much. It's still a, it, it's still a game of reaction. It's not golf where the ball's sitting still and you got time to think and think and double think and wiggle and waggle and bring the club back and back and back and all that. No, you got to react and go. So it's been, it's been uh, remarkable. College basketball began. Um, you heard the, the Cajuns won centenary LSU's going to beat up on some Patsy tomorrow. It's awful. And, and as, as Blake Lavelle of at 14 Southeastern was very succinct in saying, it's the worst opening to college basketball that I've ever, ever seen. And it's because of the transfer portal because coaches are scared to get because they don't know what kind of chemistry they have. You know, you get those two secret scrimmages. I still don't know who LSU scrimmaged against. They won't say anything, but that's okay. You know, they, they close it off. You get another team in there and you go up and down and you play against somebody that, that doesn't know what you're going to do on every play. So that's good. But when the lights come on, you know, and they start keeping score and they got a crowd in there, you, you don't know what you got. Some, some players are really, really good practice players. And when the game comes and all that that surrounds it, they kind of change a little bit. Whereas others are eh, practice. Who cares when the game comes, bam, here we go. So, Unfortunately, we as people who love college basketball and love the game of basketball have to suffer to see, you know, teams winning by 70 points, 80 points, 50 points. It's just, it's obnoxious. It's absurd. It's ridiculous. But it is what it is. They'll, the good games are coming. The good games are coming. As far as the Saints were concerned, I, I don't, I don't understand. Um, I don't, I understand in the NBA, you're playing back to backs three, four games a week. It's hard to get revved up all the time. Football, you play one a week, you play one a week and you're getting paid a lot of money and you're in your home building and it's packed to the rafters. It's national television Monday night. Everybody's watching on Monday night, all the other players, all the other teams, you want to, you want to show up and show out. Well, the Saints didn't show up, and the Saints didn't show out at all. Uh, a lot of people calling for a quarterback change. Okay. If you think that's the only problem with this Saints team, you, you're delusional. Delusional. Um, there's a lot of problems with this Saints team, and you are what your record says you are. And 
Saints aren't good. And they'll go back to Jameis Winston. But Jameis, look, the quarterback's not in that building. Now I know why, beyond a shadow of a doubt, the Saints went after Deshaun Watson with such zest and fervor back in March, despite all his baggage. Saints need a quarterback, and right now they don't have one. They don't. The deficiencies at the game's most important position, man, they were in full display in that 27-13 loss to the Baltimore Ravens last night. Full display. So we'll talk with Bob Rose about, about all of that as we uh, as we march on. Um, you know, just Jeff Saturday coaching the Indianapolis Colts. Um, he's coached high school football. He's in their ring of honor. He's a great leader, and he does a good job on television. He's lost about 50, 60 pounds. He looks good. He's... Um, as Jim Irsay, the, the owner, said, you want to bet against this guy? Put your money down. I'd love to see it because I know what he's all about. So Saturday was tough. He was smart. He made five Pro Bowls. I, you know, who knows what makes a good coach? Who knows? They all got to start off somewhere, right? They got to start off somewhere and see. And maybe maybe Saturday uh, does something. But, man, they – they don't have a quarterback. How are they going to win? How are they going to win? Um, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Um, I said it before. I'll say it again as I bounce all over the place because my mind is the hamsters are running rampant here. Uh, last night was another example. Look at the quarterback play. Look how far LSU has come. Look at Alabama. Look at, look at uh, Tennessee. Look at Georgia and their quarterback. What do they all have in common? They call they all have escapability. They're all not afraid to run, to move the sticks, and sometimes get in the end zone. You cannot have a stationary quarterback anymore. You just can't. Those days are done and over. Over. Um, I just don't think you can win with them. So look at the Falcons now with Mariota. He's had a research. Look at Chicago. And their quarterback, how much better he's gotten. Um, you can't, you just can't do it with a stationary quarterback. And both of them, Jameis Winston's not a running type of quarterback. He's not elusive. He's big. He's got the old strong arm. I'm so tired of hearing about strong arms. And look, I'm not, I don't know either one of them. Everybody tells me they're great human beings and they're family men and they're liked by their teammates and, and respected by their teammates and coaches. And they can win some games here and there in the right situation. Andy Dalton's a great front runner. You get in the lead, and he's good. That's when he can manage and do this. And come from behind, he ain't got it. He ain't got it at all. Um, and these aren't spring chickens. They're limited at this stage in their careers. Uh, they are. And I don't want to talk about supporting cast. Didn't have Michael Thomas. Who Didn't have Jarvis Landry. Name me some receivers from um, Lamar Jackson's side. Didn't have their best tight end, didn't have their best wide receiver. They, He still figured it out, figured out a way. So um, this is definitely an indictment on Jameis Winston that the team officials gave up on him so quickly. 
Uh, they, you know, just a few months after handing him a $14 million signing bonus, they determined bonus. They determined that Dalton was a better option to lead the offense. So um, it's a mess, and they got to go find them a quarterback. Look, why? Why is it? Again, not an indictment, but why is it that Andy Dalton's on his fourth team in the past four years? Why? Why do you think that? He ain't no starting quarterback in this NFL. He's a good backup. He's a good teammate and all that stuff. But come on, come on. Let's not be, let's not be crazy. Saints have to go play Pittsburgh. And what did Pittsburgh do? They drafted a quarterback, Kenny Pickett. He hadn't been good, but at least he gives you some hope, right? Hope for the future? There ain't no hope in the future in that locker room with the Saints. Uh-uh. Sorry. Sorry. Not going to happen. So, sometimes you got to take your lumps. We saw with Malik Willis with Tennessee taking his lumps. But you look at all the quarterbacks in their first years. Go back and look at the team that's undefeated and how Jalen Hurts is playing now in his third season. Go back to his first season. Go back to his second season. It's incrementally better. It started off really bad. People saying he can't play quarterback in this league. Everybody was saying Justin Fields can't play quarterback in this league. How do you like him now? He's getting better and better. It's only his second season. So, anyway, um, the most important position, the Saints don't have it. They don't have it. LSU's got it. There is no doubt. And that gives them a chance in every game they play. Plain and simple. Um, Fresh off a win over Eastern Illinois. Uh, You can tune in tomorrow night, Wednesday night, from 6 to 7 for the McNeese Coaches Show. Presented by Maplewood Burgers. I'd love to have me one of those burgers right now. Line a bit out of Westlake and the Southwest Louisiana Law Center. Jim Gazzola, my buddy, will be talking all things Cowboys as the McNeese State Coaches Show will be broadcasting from the Maplewood Burgers at 4453 Nelson Road. Go there. Uh, If you can't go there, tune in Wednesday night starting at 6 for the McNeese State Coaches Show right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. I will take a time out here. Black, black and Gold Report. More on the Saints. Bob Rose, Saints News Network, next. It's time for Jordy to march into some New Orleans Saints talk with Saints News Network's Bob Rose. Here is the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Oh, Bob, it's such a beautiful day. Do we really have to talk about last night? Can't we just talk about getting ready for the Thanksgiving season and all the thanks that we have for all the blessings that we've had? <laughs> do we uh, really yeah. have to? Uh, yeah, let's do that. Uh, you know, let, let's officially announce a Haltberg Rose uh, presidential ticket. Yes. Uh, you know, for the next major election since it's yeah. decision Tuesday. Uh, you know, let's talk about the leaves falling off the trees, uh, you know, <laughs> parent teacher, anything, anything but what happened last we, night. We don't have to talk about the fact that the, the quarterback of the future is not in the building for the New Orleans Saints. I mean, that come on. I mean, anybody with any kind of any kind of insight can can determine that. Uh, yeah, I don't think there's any question about it, but. I wonder truly if the current head coach of the New Orleans Saints, yeah. uh, you know, A, recognizes that, and B, if the current head coach of the or next head coach of the New Orleans Saints is indeed in the building. 
That's um, a question too. Yeah, I I I think um there's something to be said, and I've I've seen this so many times before where you get a hot coordinator and you know he's really good at what he does, and then you elevate him to the head chair at the table and he gotta do a whole bunch of other things where you have to delegate Josh McDaniels, Dennis Allen. Eh, you know, I think you kind of scratching your head a little bit there no question about it it's uh it's wade phillips syndrome uh you know wade, wade phillips one of the best uh you know coordinators offense or defense yeah. uh you know, that, that's ever lived but yeah you know, he he was not a good head coach despite multiple opportunities and i think it's start it's time to start having that kind of conversation about dennis allen he just that that man looks overwhelmed and yeah, grossly in over his head in, in this job right now. The one thing that really, you know, and look, the players have to play. Coaches sure. have to coach. I understand that. But part of the coaching acumen is getting your team ready to play. And that team was listless, lifeless. They gave that packed stadium absolutely nothing to to get juiced about. And that I'm sorry, that falls under coaching. It sure does. Uh, yeah, I mean, le yeah, leadership in the locker room and the players too. There's no doubt about yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but you got to motivate your troops. Um, I I am convinced that yeah you know, that players, football players in particular, uh, you know, they feed off of the game plan. They feed off of their coaches' enthusiasm and confidence. Yes. Uh, yeah. And this team had none of that. Uh, yeah. And, and you know, at ca case in point. The New Orleans Saints had averaged 160 yards rushing the football since Andy Dalton had become starter. 160 yards. And they coached absolutely terrified against the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, you know, you you have Taysom Hill on three different uh, three different plays where Taysom Hill was lined up behind center. And everybody knows that 95 percent of the time Taysom Hill is going to do a power run you know, when he gets the football. Yeah. Yet on all three of those snaps, they tried a misdirection against Baltimore's defense. And they didn't even try a misdirection with your best player, Alvin yeah. Kamara. They tried it with your special teams captain. That tells me that you're afraid that your best is not good enough to beat their best. That's coaching. That's coaching afraid. Yeah. I'm with you. Bob Rose, St. Stu's network. I am convinced that I've said it and I'll say it again. I am convinced more so now than ever before in my life. You better get a quarterback that's elusive, that can make plays, that can run for first downs. The days of the pocket passer are done. And you look at the Saints, and what do they have? They've got two pocket passers. And don't tell me that Jameis Winston is elusive. He's not. Um, and the difference in that ballgame was the Ravens got a, a franchise quarterback, and the Saints don't. Simple. Yeah, absolutely it was. Uh, you know, and you could poke fun at the Ravens game, offensive game plan and offensive strategy all you want. And believe me, I do. Uh, you know, on, on our halftime show you know, with Brendan Boylan, our uh, Bayou Blitz halftime show, uh, you know, I call that uh, that touchdown pass to Isaiah Likely. I called it a wonderfully ex executed halfback option. Yeah. Uh, and that's exactly what it was. It, you know, mm -hmm. it, it was just power right 
uh, you know, with your ball carrier throwing the football. And the ball carrier just happened to be Lamar Jackson. Uh, but you're right. In this day, and I hate to sound like an old guy you know, yelling, get off of my lawn, because I do miss pocket passers. Uh, but that's not the way that the football is played nowadays. Uh, you know, yeah, you have to have a well-orchestrated passing, you know, passing attack. Uh, but, you know, with the way defenses attack opposing backfields, uh, you know, you need a guy with escapability. You need a guy that's capable of running for 100 yards just as easily as throwing for 250. There is no doubt whatsoever. Um, and the Saints aren't even even close. Was there anything that stood out from a positive perspective in that game? Anything? No. No, uh, no. <laughs> I, I actually thought Cesar Ruiz played a whale of a ball game. Uh, <clears throat> that offensive line was just overwhelmed all night long, uh, but it wasn't number 51. I thought he played pretty well, uh, even better when he had to you know, move over into center when Eric McCoy went out. Demario Davis played a very good go- uh, you know, game, too. For those you know, that were worried early in the year that Demario is losing a step, Forget about it. Uh, you know, 56 is playing as well as he ever has. Uh, but again, the rest of that defense was just so overwhelmed and demoralized. This team looked demoralized by what the Ravens were doing to them. Yeah. But yeah, individually, I thought Demario played well. Cesar Ruiz played well. And that's it. Yeah. Um, Ravens undefeated inside the Superdome. Undefeated. Um, and the last time the Saints were three and six through nine games, 1995. 1995 and you know bill parcell says you are what your record says you are yes and i mean you look at their schedule who are you picking them who are you picking them to beat you got to go to pittsburgh mm-hmm. and ain't, uh, even though they got a rookie quarterback who's thrown more interceptions and touchdowns but you you, you take tomlin over dennis allen i sure do yeah, I take Tomlin over Dennis Allen. Uh, you know, TJ Watt is going to be back in the Steelers lineup, although probably on a limited pitch count. Uh, yeah, they, that should terrify you. Minka Patrick is a is a playmaker in the Steelers secondary. That should terrify you. Uh, you know, yeah, if I had to pick the game today and lay down money, I would pick that the Saints go into Pittsburgh and win. And historically, that's a venue that they have gone up and played very well in. Uh, but would you feel comfortable betting a sizable sum? I sure as heck don't. No. All right. Let, let, let's have some fun here. All right. So um, you beat the Raiders 24 zip. You lose to the Ravens 27 13. You're three and six. You're still one game out of first. So you like the Saints to beat the Steelers in Pittsburgh. Okay. That's fine. Rams at the Saints. Rams are playing some awful football. Uh, but yeah. Here's a terrifying stat. Since 2020, the Saints are 11 and 11 at home. That's awful. Uh, yeah, so you can't yeah. even bank on dome field yeah. advantage anymore. Yeah, uh, and uh, on paper, I think the Rams are just a more talented team than the Saints are playing right now. So I, I got to go with the Rams. I'm with you. You're gonna win at San Francisco? You got to be kidding me! Heck no, no, that ain't happening. You're gonna win at Tampa? Maybe, maybe, I'll, maybe, but I, I'm not. I, I don't think so. You got the all important game with the Falcons? Maybe, but Falcons I- playing pretty good. They are playing pretty good. Uh, you know, traditionally the Saints have had their number. Uh, you know, including earlier in the year, I, I think I'd take I'd reluctantly take the Saints to win that one. Okay. Um, I saw what the Browns did at the dog pound to Joe Burrow and the Bengals. I ain't taking the Saints in Cleveland on Christmas Eve in that weather. Give me the Browns. What about you? Uh, yeah, I'd agree because remember Deshaun Watson's going to be back, and Deshaun Watson yeah. is. 
a mobile quarterback. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, if I'm picking today, I pick Cleveland. Then you got to go to Philadelphia and the Eagles. Who knows? They may still be undefeated. And um, you, you ain't going to beat Jalen Hurts the way he runs in the cold on New Year's Day. No. Heck no. Even if Philadelphia has everything sewed up, remember that Philadelphia gets New Orleans first round draft choice next year. They want this Saints team as yeah. low as possible. Yes. So that, 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 that could be an embarrassing affair. Then you got the Panthers you, you, to, to wrap it all up. So you got, you'll win that one. So out of the remaining two, four, six, eight games, we got we got one, maybe two that you feel good about. Saints at the Steelers, Panthers at the Saints. You got a whole bunch of no shot, no shot Eagles, no shot Browns, no shot 49ers. You got a couple of maybes with the Rams, Buccaneers, and Falcons. Yeah, um, you know, let's say they go one and two. Let's see. Let's even be polite and say they go two and one in those games. Yeah, uh, yeah we, we have them winning a possible four games the rest yeah. of the way. Yeah. Wow. Seven wins. <laughs> possible at the most. Yeah, that. Yeah, the way this team is playing and being coached, that's a stretch. And um, you got ownership that that doesn't like to make changes, right? They they kind of like give them some rope and. <laughs> Give them some freedom, and we'll turn this thing around. We'll see, right? We'll see. I don't know. I, I mean, Tom Benson. Yeah, he did have. Yeah, he did have patience. Uh, I mean, heck, he gave Mike, he gave Mike Dick a three years, uh, and that was you know three and a half years too many. Uh, Mrs. Benson is not Mr. Benson. Uh, you right. know, she's got to be here in the wolves outside the, of the castle right now. Uh, you know, and, and you and I were, you and I remained on the Dennis Allen bandwagon through the first three or four games when people were calling for his head. And I still don't think they make a change in mid season. No. Uh, I, but I think we both agreed at the time that if this team went into a dysfunctional tailspin, uh, you know, that uh, the Dennis Allen should probably be one and done. Well, folks, we are witnessing a dysfunctional tailspin right now. Yeah. He's got to go back to Jameis Winston, doesn't he? I or think so, not? but I, I, I don't think – he definitely doesn't for Pittsburgh. Uh, yeah, listen, you lose to the Steelers, and this is a bad Steelers team. Uh, yeah, you lose to the Steelers, I think all bets are off. I think at that point, if I'm Dennis Allen, I give it, I give the ball back to 28-year-old Jameis Winston, 29-year-old Jameis Winston, uh, yeah, and say, it, it, at least show me something. If you want, yeah, this is a chance for you to save your career uh, and perhaps your job in New Orleans, uh, because yeah, you're not going to go anywhere you know, in the future mm -hmm. with a 35-year-old Andy Dalton. You might as well see if Jameis Winston could be a potential, uh, you know, at least bridge starter for your next quarterback yeah Steelers are two and six um they've only scored 120 points this season uh that's that's not very good no. <laughs> to, say, to say the very very least wow um okay uh so in summation a team that didn't look like they were ready to play a team that uh didn't look like they had a plan to try and contain Lamar Jackson and a team that looked like offensively they didn't they didn't know what they were doing. They had no answers, right? I mean, that kind of sums it up. Yeah, absolutely. Uh yeah, and you can't use injuries as an excuse on no. the offensive side. Yeah, yeah, I know my you know, Michael Thomas, Jarvis, Landry are out, but they've been out. Yeah. Uh, you know, the offensive line was healthy going into that game. Uh, you know, Kamara and Taysom Hill have been playing on fire, and you have a, a player that's a, a potential offensive rookie of the year. 
Uh, yeah, there, there's zero excuse yeah. for the type of game plan and the type of execution that we saw out of that unit last night. Just looked like they were full of themselves after the Raiders win, and they they just didn't show up at all. All right, uh, Bob Rose, Saints News Network. We'll take a timeout. Uh, we'll go around the league, Jeff. Not on Friday, but on Saturday, coaching in the league. We'll talk about that and uh, the demise of the Green Bay Packers. They are bad. And look, raise the roof on that one with Bob Rose of the Saints Sims Network. We'll be right back. You know the routine. Eat, drink, sleep, and sports. All day, every day. You're listening to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, we welcome you back on this Tuesday, November 8th. It's the Black and Gold Report with uh, Bob Rose of the Saints News Network each and every week. During this segment of uh, the report, Bob gives us his top five teams in the NFL. Buffalo got beat by the New York Jets. Uh, so we'll see what that does to his um, his bracket. Look, the college football playoff poll comes out tonight. So here comes the Bob Rose playoff poll. So, Bob, let's start off with uh, number five, if you don't mind. Miami Dolphins. Uh, yeah, and yeah, I've been kind of rough on the Dolphins all year. Uh, I, I think they're doing it with a little bit of smoke and mirrors. But I'll tell you what, that team is just fast. They have speed everywhere. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think that this team, the, the the Dolphins, as long as Tua stays healthy and accurate, uh, you know, they, they could make some real noise in the postseason. Tyreek Hill, the, the acquisition from Kansas City. He leads the NFL in receiving yards, receptions, and targets. Did you know he's on pace for 2,088 yards this season, which would not only be – a new NFL record, but the first time any receiver, anyone has cracked the 2,000-yard receiving mark. And I'm talking Jerry Rice. I'm talking um, all of the great ones. Um, Moss, nobody's done that. That's amazing. It really is. And yeah, Tyreek Hill, you can't help but be impressed by this young man on the football field when you watch him play. I mean, you know, I, I, I'm a speed guy anyway. I'm a track and field guy, as you know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this guy, he also runs really good routes. He has good hands. He's not afraid to go over the middle. Uh, you know, Tyreek Hill is a legitimate star. He's not Jerry Rice. He's not Randy Moss. Uh, but man, he's putting up video game numbers. He strikes fear in opposing defenses and the saints don't have anything close to it. All right. That's number five. Who is number four this week? Uh, I think I had them at number two last week, but uh, I'm going to go at number four with the Buffalo Bills. Uh, and you know, I realized they beat Kansas City a few weeks ago. Uh, you know, spoiler alert for who's number three. Uh, but yeah, <sighs> Buffalo, they're vulnerable against the run. I think they have been all season. They can't run the ball. And now Josh Allen is banged up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and we don't know how serious that is. Uh, you know, I think Buffalo still has the best overall roster in the AFC. Uh, but, yeah, they, 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 they definitely slipped for me this week. Another team that had a great acquisition, Von Miller, brought them in him, him in to be a pass rusher. Um, He's done that. He has a team high seven sacks, six in the league in uh, pass rush win rate. Um, he's made them a better team. So, again, another key impactful acquisition 
to a team. There's a theme going here. Um, You're right. I, who's, who's number? So we got the Dolphins at five, the Bills at four. Number three, you already got the cat out of the bag. So number three yeah, is? Yeah, Can- Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, right. Patrick Mahomes is playing as well as he ever has. Uh, you know, yeah, they missed Tyreek Hill. Uh, yeah, and that offense has taken a little bit of a step back because of it. Uh, but, you know, with Andy Reid, you know you're always going to get offensive production. Uh, yeah, And frankly, the G- Chiefs defense is playing a little bit better than what I anticipated they would be. Okay. I thought they'd be in a fight for their life in the AFC West alone, let alone in the conference. Uh, yeah, And yeah, it, it looks like they're going to run away with that division yet again this year. Not a team that, um, you know, they had to make up for the the um, the loss of Tyree Kill. And he, he's just the best tight. He may be the best tight end ever. Maybe. He might be. Travis Kelsey. It, it, I mean, every week he just gets open. He's on pace for 121 catches, 1,400 yards, and 15 touchdowns. That's what he's on pace for. 121 he just gets open and he, he just knows the game and he's in sync with his quarterback. That what a weapon. Yeah, Kelsey is the best. And I'm a Shannon Sharp guy through and through. Uh, but Kelsey is the best tight end I have ever seen. Uh, you know, and he's more than just a bulked up receiver. He can block too. Uh, yeah, but you're right. In this day and age, you need your tight end to make plays down the field. Uh, yeah, and he is as good and as reliable as any wide receiver that you will find in the game today. I think I know who's number two. Are we going to go with that team with the the helmet with the horns on it? Yeah, the funny looking horns and the funny looking purple uniforms. Yeah, uh, I still I, I still don't have faith in the Minnesota Vikings to win a Super Bowl or even get to a Super Bowl. Uh, not as long as Kirk Cousins is their quarterback, and they're not doing it pretty. Uh, but I got to give Minnesota credit. They do what it takes to win games every single week. They find a way to win. Uh, you know, God, I wish the New Orleans Saints would take a page out of that chapter. Uh, but you know, the the Vikings are just you – know, the, their skill positions are loaded. Uh, now they bring in T.J. Hawkinson, yeah. uh, you know, a defense that I thought would take a couple of years to mature and gel. Uh, you know, Minnesota, that is. I think they're playing very aggressively, very confidently right now. Uh, you know, this, this Vikings team – this Vikings team is a legit, uh, you know, contender. I'm with you. Um, say what you want. They they added a new coach, and there's mm-hmm. a whole new vibe. There's a whole new environment. They're actually having fun. I saw a clip of after a Vikings win last year, and old Coach Zimmer, uh, nobody was smiling. Uh, I will see you tomorrow at nine thirty. Vikings on three. One, two, three. Vikings. Right. Like, and now they're dancing, having fun. They got the chains on. On Kirk Cousins, I mean, come on. I mean, it's something about the mood in the room, right? And and the Vikings have it. Yeah, and that kind of thing, that kind of behavior, that kind of thought process, that kind of attitude, uh, you know, it's contagious throughout the team. Uh, you know, and you know, they, they, I, I don't like, I never have liked Kirk Cousins. I don't like Minnesota. If you're an older Saints fan, I don't see how you can like the Vikings. Um but yeah, if you take all that out of the equation, this is a fun team to watch. And like you said, they're having fun on the football field, uh, you know, and they're playing with a whole lot of confidence right now. And of course, number one is got to be the unbeaten Philadelphia Eagles. Fly, Eagles, fly. 
Yeah, it is the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, this is a yeah, juggernaut defensively. Uh, you know, it's a it, they have a running attack that is unmatched. Uh, yeah, they have two excellent you know, weapons at wide receiver. We talked about Travis Kelsey before. Uh, you know, Dallas Goddard is kind of the NFC version of Travis Kelsey. He is mm -hmm. that darn good. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and I can't. I, I admire Jalen Hurts so much for the improvement that he has made as a passer yes. uh, you know, he, he, he was always a threat with his legs but you could tell that he has studied very very hard in the last two years and especially this offseason to improve his mechanics and his relationship his chemistry with his wideouts all right there you have it aj brown another acquisition who has mm -hmm. made an impact he uh, he certainly makes jalen hurts a lot better um got a great qbr when he targets him he's got six down six touchdown passes to him he throws those 50 50 balls and he and aj goes and gets it so we'll see I, i'm very curious as to your thoughts what is the problem with the green bay packers they're three and six look minnesota's runaway minnesota's five games up in the loss column five Wow. Five. So they're gonna they're gonna be the first team to clinch their division in the NFL. Uh but Aaron Rodgers looks like he's toast. I don't get it. Yeah, he does. Uh and uh, toast mentally. It's one thing to have a physical decline in your skills. Mm -hmm. Uh yeah, and when you look at him play, you know, it looks like he has his mechanics are just all thrown off. Uh but yeah, Aaron Rodgers just looks like a guy that doesn't want to play football anymore. Uh, you know, forget the fact that he you know, he's a whiny crybaby and once out of Green Bay, maybe he wants out of Green Bay, maybe he doesn't, but he sure as heck wants everybody to pay attention to Aaron Rodgers. He just looks like an unhappy guy. Even early in the season when you know, when they were still okay in the win-loss column, mm -hmm. uh, you know, he, he, behind the mic, on the field, sideline demeanor, he just looks like a guy that doesn't want to be there right now. Uh, you know, and the Packers, aside from that, they aren't a very talented team. Remember early in the year, I cautioned uh, you know, that the Green Bay, Green Bay might be in for a big flop. Uh, I didn't it necessarily did. see anticipate this kind of uh, – this kind of bottoming out by midseason, uh, but yeah, I, I did think that this team would be in trouble. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think they have the talent to climb back into the playoff race. Uh, yeah, and they sure don't have the leadership. Uh, yeah, that you want. Uh, they have a, a young coach who I think got the you know kind of got the raw end of the deal, uh, and he might be held scapegoat at the end of the year. Uh, yeah, you have a. Yeah, you say what you will about Aaron Rodgers, whether you agree or disagree that he was an elite passer. He has never been a leader of any kind. No. Uh, yeah, and yeah, that, that's the reason right there why I the Green agree. Bay Packers will not climb back into playoff contention. Devontae Adams made him a better quarterback. He sure. doesn't make wide receivers better, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, okay, so Tampa Bay's four and five, Atlanta's four and five, Saints three and six, Carolina's two and seven. Who wins this division? Who do you honestly believe wins this division? Uh, Jordy, and I'm looking awful foolish now. You know, the New Orleans Saints were my NFC pick to represent. You, know, you represent the conference in the Super Bowl at the beginning of the year. That ain't I, happening. I, no, it ain't happening. Uh, I still believe that the Saints can pull out this dysfunctional division. Uh, you know, Tampa Bay, I know they pulled out a miraculous win against a heartless L.A. Rams team last week. Uh, you know, and Atlanta, I continue to be impressed by what they are doing. Uh, but Atlanta doesn't have Tampa's talent. Atlanta doesn't have New Orleans talent. Uh, I, I think 
Tampa isn't a roster that we're seeing age before our very eyes. Uh, and I think the Cam Jordans, Demario Davises, Alvin Kamara's, I think they're going to pull themselves together well enough. And I know what we had just said in our previous segment about you know wins and losses. Or wins. <laughs> I might be the last optimist on that I think, wagon. I, yeah, I, I, I think you... we could see a seven and ten record take this division. Oh my God, that would be just embarrassing. It would embarrassing. All right. Um, is it an embarrassment that the uh, Indy Colts hired a, a high school coach in Jeff Saturday to to kind of finish? It tells me that the public relations, but I don't know how are people accepting this. But public relations more than with Colts. I mean, the Colts are terrible. They don't have a quarterback either. I, no, they don't. Uh, and I don't know about embarrassing. Yeah, you know, I, I think Jeff Saturday. I believe Jeff Saturday has a good football mind, uh, yeah. but. It certainly is a slap in the face to every single coach in that building, is it right. not? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I don't know how you know Jeff can walk in and earn the respect, not so much of the players because he's been there, done that, and players know that. Uh, but how are you going to get the respect of the coaches on your staff when you come in in that way? Uh, I just, you know, I, I think that Ur the Ursay family has been one of the more dysfunctional ownership. Uh, you know, families in all of professional sports for decades now, generation, really. Uh, here's a thought for you. Okay. Uh, no, tell me Sean their... Payton's going to Indianapolis. Hey, no way. Hey, listen, they fire their coach. Uh, you know, they're, they're circling the drain, maybe gunning for a high draft pick with a, you know, what a lot of us believe is going to be a pretty rich quarterback class uh, with an offensive-minded guy named Sean Payton sitting the out get there. the Colts draft pick and they get a quarterback. Yes, sir. You are, you, you are the glass half full guy. And it, it's, it's, no, it's not even half full. It's teetering to spill over the top. <laughs> over the you did you did hear sean payton last night on the manning cast say you know uh, some teams are dysfunctional and i'm staying away from them and i think the colts and ursay are dysfunctional yeah i do too and you know, I, I don't think ultimately sean payton winds up in indianapolis uh but i can almost see the writing on the wall with the way this kind of stuff is unfolding and the way the ursays are doing things i i believe that the Ursay family is going to make a heavy push for Sean Payton. I still ultimately think Sean ends up in either uh, you know, with either the Chargers or the Cardinals. Uh, but the the Colts are throwing themselves in the mix for this thing. Yeah, Cowboys they can't fire McCormick. I mean, they're six and two. They can't fire him, can they? They keep I going. Never if they have a first, if they have a first round exit in the playoffs, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, but, and you're you're talking about an owner in Jerry Jones that basically forced a two a back to back Super Bowl winning coach out the door. And he, uh, front. Yeah, he just said it again. Odell Beckham Jr. would look good as a mm -hmm. Dallas Cowboy. He's out there planting the seed again. Yeah, and why wouldn't he? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, the Cowboys at least, yeah, if you look at their record, they're legitimate contenders. Uh, you know, o Odell has said that he wants to go to a legitimate contender. Jerry Jones is not afraid to throw out money. I would not be at all surprised if Odell Beckham ended up in Dallas. Yep. All right. Well, um, don't don't count out the Patriots yet. Uh, that's the only division with every team above five hundred. Buffalo six and two, Jets, Dolphins six and three, and. Look at those Patriots, five and four. There's something about coaching, something to be said about coaching. That's all I'm going to say. Go figure, right? Yep, that's all I'm going to say. Um, Bob Rose, Saints News Network. Always fun, buddy, despite 
despite the lethargic New Orleans Saints last night. I appreciate your time. Well, like I said, we're setting groundwork for a Haltberg Rose presidential ticket, so we got to stay positive here, right? I'm, gla- I'm glad you put my name first because I ain't going to run for vice president. I can tell you that. <laughs> I'll be the I'll be the puppet my puppet master behind the scene. I got too many skeletons in the closet to be oh, the feature. Oh Lord, name. okay, Bob. Thank you. Have a good week, man. You too, man. Take care. Take care. <laughs> Tune in next week to the Jordy Holtberg Show for the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose. Here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. He's been a star on the hardwood and in the broadcast chair. So what's the secret to the Blonde Bomber's success? Easy. Taking time to work on his tan. You look marvelous. Back to more of the tanned and talented Jordy Holtberg on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, finishing touches to this Tuesday edition. We thank our guest, Matthew Bruni of uh, go to for, I mean, on BengalTigerOn3.com, excuse me, talking about uh, LSU and their win over Bama, looking ahead to Arkansas. Blake Lavelle at 14 Southeastern. We went all around the SEC and Bob Rose of the Saints News Network. Uh, tomorrow, hump day with Huguenin. Mike Huguenin will join us. We'll talk all college football. We'll take you behind enemy lines with. Um, with Georgia Southern coming to Cajun Field, we'll talk to their play-by-play voice, and we'll do some other stuff. We'll preview LSU hoops that gets underway tomorrow night and, and much, much more. Uh, if today is your birthday, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. You share yours with former LSU defensive back now with the Carolina Panthers. Dante Jackson is 27. Uh, boy, he was a great wide rec- great basketball player in high school, great wide receiver at LSU and with the New Orleans Saints. Eric Martin is now 61 years old and uh, the first African-American basketball player in LSU basketball history. Now he's on the LSU Board of Supervisors, near and dear friend of mine. Collis Temple Jr. is 70 years young. Until tomorrow, I'm Jordy Heltberg. Stay thirsty, stay healthy, be kind to one another, and let's be happy. Have a great day, everybody. See you tomorrow.